We are continuing our series this summer called Sheer Christianity, that which is pure, that which is authentic amidst a deluded world. And something that's super passionate for me is that uh, we would be devoted, and this is the title of my teaching, that we would be devoted to the truth. The truth. And I'm going to say this, that's capitalized. The truth. And I will define that as I go along, but it won't be how I define it. It will be what Jesus defines it as what, what the truth is. Okay, so jumping off from where Rick and Matt have taught, I just want to remind you of this sentence. And that, gosh, if this could get into our hearts and just stay with us, it would be so beneficial to love what God loves, to love what he loves, and how he loves it. To love what God loves. Man, I just that's been just ruminating in me. I want to love what God loves, but the way in which he loves it. Amen? So, I'm going to start with this, and we're going to talk about devotion to the truth. The truth. Psalm 51, 6, a penitent psalm that David wrote. He said this, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. God does not look for the pretense of truth, guys, or the attempt to make something that is not the case appear as though it is, faking it. He looks to our hearts. He looks to our minds. He looks to our souls. And not just our words. Our words should follow our inner man. That is one aspect of the regenerate man, to love the truth, the truth truth. Again, capitalize, and I will come to that definition. The coming into the light, no shadows, no hiding. For as we have been made in the image of our God, he has no shadow, he has no turning, and he dwells in unapproachable light. And we can come before him in truth. And this is his desire, you guys, that we would love the truth that we would take pleasure in the truth, that we would stand for the truth, that we would care for it, that we would hold on to it, and that we would live in the truth. But it seems the church has moved towards the philosophies and relativism, is that the word, relativism, of our world. Paul describes it to the Ephesian church like this in Ephesians 4. We are no longer, we are no longer to be tossed around like children, tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. Instead, we're going to speak the truth and we're going to grow up in all aspects unto him, Christ who is the head. The word truth here literally means truthing. It's a verb. And it, it means this, making of record of what God deems truth. The reality in fact. So it is vital to tell the truth so others can live in God's reality rather than personal illusion. And there was a lot of personal illusion for me before I met him. For the God of this world, guys, has blinded the eyes of men. He's blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
He was a liar at the beginning. He's a rip-off artist, and he's really good at it. He speaks what is natural to him, and he is the father of lies and half-truths. This is interesting. Annie just pulled this up last night, and she said there's an African proverb. Maybe Janet's heard this. A lie has many variations. The truth, none. So you remember what the devil said in the garden? Did he really say that? Did he say that? Come on. Did he really say that? And that's where we find ourselves even today. And that has crept into the church. Jesus said, many will come saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. I don't think it's David Koresh's, Jim Jones's. He said, many will come saying, I am the Christ and mislead many. Have we not seen that in the church? The rejection of universal truth. And again, I'm going to define that as Jesus defined it. But a postmodern thought process has crept in. In a nutshell, this is what it means. This thought denies the existence of any ultimate truth and principle. And it lacks the optimism of there being a scientific philosophical or religious truth that will explain everything for everyone. Well, we know what explains everything for everyone, right? And it relies on experience over universal truth. And our interpretations, which are subjective and fallible, and now we rely on those. How crazy is that? But that's what we do, right? So, did God really say there's a hell. Oh, no. Not a loving God. There can't be a hell. Has that crept into the church? Absolutely. Jesus had to have sinned. He was a man. Crept into the church. Good works will justify you before God. Just keep doing what you're doing. Everything will be just fine. God wants you to be happy and prosperous. How much is, have we heard that? Adam and Eve weren't really real. It's just a fictitious story. And how about this one? Death is your friend. He's not our friend. He's the last enemy to go. But that's crept in. And it only takes a little bit of water, guys, to dilute salt. Just a little bit. And he keeps sprinkling it in. And when the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's my introduction. Let's open our Bibles to John, chapter 18, the Gospel of John. We're going to define it for us as Jesus defined it. Everybody there? Okay, I'll wait. This is Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate before he was crucified.
Verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, So, you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly, I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Not a truth, the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And here's the poignant pause of all eternity. Pilate said to him, what is truth? He didn't say the truth. He said, what is truth? You know, I looked up the word poignant because I thought it was a really good word to use in my teaching. Because <laughs> I didn't know what it meant, actually. I thought it was like this, like, um, oh, anyway. It means sad. It means sad. Poignant means sad. So here's this poignant pause between the world and Jesus. And it's, it continues to this day. The world is still saying, what is truth? Pilate's truth was the glory of Rome, something that he could see, touch, feel, force, soldiers, politics, right? And yet, that wasn't what Jesus was saying. But he didn't answer him because the truth was standing right in front of him, and he couldn't see it. Jesus described that word, the truth, as this. And I wish, I hope I can say it right. Aletheia. It means this, not merely truth is spoken. Like, hey, my shoes are black, right? Oh, is it messed up? Yeah, it's more like your glasses. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. No problem. Thank you. It, it's not merely truth is spoken like that, or my shirt is gray. What it means is this. It is the truth of reality Divine truth is revealed to man from God. It is what God has revealed to us about him and about us. Therefore, it dictates how we should live before him. That's what he was talking about, the truth. And you don't have to turn there, but this is the universal truth. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being by him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So I look at education, philosophies, religions, all of these things has to bow down before the universal truth that God is real. And that God is reality. So let's talk about how we abide in the truth. And I'm going to lift this up. Wasn't God faithful today to speak even as we're singing these things? I haven't talked to these guys, and they're talking about the Word of God. And it is a passion of mine, the Word of God. It is the predominant way God speaks to us, guys. I have had a vision before. The first night I met Jesus. I've had prophetic words. I've had songs in my heart, but nothing, nothing takes the place of the word of God for us. It is the predominant way he speaks to us. 
and it is the predominant way truth is revealed to us. But not only revealed in us, but it works through us. It's supernatural, and I'll get to that. For the Word of God is living and active whole. We read that all the time. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and marrow, and it is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Those two words, living and active, zoe, the life of God. The supernatural life of God in these pages. I don't know how that works, but it is. And enerhizo, active, the power to accomplish. That's the word of God. No other book can make this claim. There are many wonderful books. I like, I like uh, The Hobbit. <laughs> but it can't divide between my heart and, and search out the things that are hiding in me. This can. In it, reality is made known. So let me, I ask myself this, ask yourself rhetorically, is it still living and active if I don't open it up? The Holy Spirit takes those black and red letters and feeds us with the nourishing life of God and supplies us with the energy to do his will. Um, do me a favor. Can you show uh, the graph? This was Barna. This was right now, 2021. I'm going to get out of the camera because I need to see this. Sorry, guys, but I'll describe it to you as I'm, I'm over to it. So check this out. It said, how often do you use the Bible on your own? So you can look at what's happening. So on the far left, it's every day, 11%. <clears throat> Four to six times a week, 5%. And I'm going to be very gracious and say two to three times a week is the 9%. That is 25% of the church that was, that was polled. 75% of the church does it maybe once a year. 30% of the church never opens it up on their own. That's this year. That's where we are. So where, where is the truth that they're, that they're getting? Where is it? And are they going to be ready? So I felt, um, you can take that off now, guys. I felt God say this to me. You must ingest to digest. Ingestion is taking it in. The nourishing words of Jesus Christ. The nourishing words. And some of us have really small stomachs. You know how you, when you don't eat too much, you can't eat a whole lot if you fast a lot? This is the only place I'm going to say that gluttony is not a sin. You can ravage the word of God. You can eat till you can't eat anymore. But then it's broken down in our spirits. Like food is broken down for our bodies. Uh, the word of God is broken down in our spirits. And it supplies that energy to the spirit man. We need this to lead, as Paul said, a productive, effective life for the king and our kingdom. 
Constantly nourished, as he said to Timothy on the words of constantly. 11%. Constantly nourished on the words of faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. Constantly nourished. There's no condemnation here, guys. Because I think the devil right now would come in and say, you know what? You haven't read it. Or it's been some kind of exercise. Or all sorts of things, right? Because if I, if I could, I'd empty this church out and I'd preach to Kevin McCutcheon alone. Because life can get so, so busy. Can't it? Yeah. With everything. But man, we need to eat. You guys like to eat, don't you? Remember when Matt did the teaching on meat and milk a while back? Oh, I, I just had tri-tip the other night. I love meat. Meat's here. I could preach this to myself, guys, because, listen, we are the, the pillar and the support of the truth. No elitism here. Everything we have and know has been given to us by God. And Jesus did, never said, follow me, and I will make you winners of arguments. He didn't say that. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Because the word of God changes us and deals with us. Hmm. For our God de desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So let me highlight three ways um, that we come to truth through the word of God. Can you put the first one up? The first is that the word of God is revelation to us. It is the manifestation of the mind and will of God. The word revelation means that what was once veiled and covered is now opened up and unveiled. The word, the word of God reveals who he is his heart, his emotions, his grace, his will, his love, his ways, his son, who became the living word manifested to us. But not only that, it unveils who we are, our relationships to God and to each other. Guys, I don't need to figure out who I am. I already know who I am. And there's such a... Um, deception, even in the church, of who we are. We are sons of the living God. As Brick said years ago, I can go to the refrigerator anytime I want. I don't have to ask permission. Do you remember that? I love that. Because I'd love to eat. <laughs> the word shows me who I have been made to be. However, I need to be continually grounded in the new man. That's what this word does. James 1.23 says, For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself. You walk away and forget what you look like. Guys, we cannot know him or these things unless God himself reveals it to us. Period. No one finds God. He finds you. And when God reveals himself, you cannot help but be changed. The first time I met God, I had read, well, I'll 
um, a week before I met God, I started reading the Word of God. And I just said, if, what, what? I didn't understand a word. I didn't understand anything. And the night he came to me, every word, whew, it was revelation. It was real. It was amazing. And even in my supernatural experience, when I first met God, I had to go back to the Word of God and say, was this real? I had people say, you were high. You were on drugs. I was that night, but trust me, I had to go find it in the Word of God. And other people said, that was a demonic experience. I'm still here, though. I had to find it in the Word of God. And I, and I can. And I can show you. And I remember reading Isaiah for the first time, and I went, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. There's Jesus. God opened up the word. You know, Ann and I have been um, supporting uh, Bible Couriers International for a long time. They take Bibles. They smuggle Bibles into countries that won't let them. And there's been stories where they've only had two pages of this book. And they keep teaching out of it. Because God keeps opening it up. Wide, deep, length, weight. Is that amazing? And they're waiting. They're waiting for the whole book. It's just amazing. And I was blessed, I think it was three weeks ago, Rick. You've been in 40 years in ministry. And Rick said, you know, I've been reading... I've read this, I don't know how many times, and God showed me this today. Is that awesome? We can read the same thing, and God can keep talking to us differently and angling and, and wherever we're at, right? So, revelation of God. Two, the word of God is sanctification for us. Revelation to us sanctification for us. Hey, I know we know this. God is not interested in consecrating the old man. And I think we play with it, play with him. He's intent on killing him. We are to be conformed to the image of Christ. And all we know, and, and, and we all know, how the old man loves that process, right? He loves that process. He's screaming. We are now set apart from the word of God to him and for him. And the word of God is that standard by which we are measured against. Guys, that's a good thing. In John 17, Jesus prayed, sanctify them in the truth, your word. Truth. The Word of God has the power to sanctify us because it is, it is a discovering and enlightening power. It is that mirror in which we see all our failures and sin. And if I put the period there, that wouldn't be so good. But we need, remember, God desires truth in the innermost being, He shows us who we really are. But the word is like a scalpel used in the hands of the great physician to cut out the malignant growth, that which will cause death. 
It reveals the secrets of our hearts and our motives, but it also cleanses us and renews us. And it heals us. It changes my thinking, my actions, my heart. It's supernatural, and it's amazing. Psalm 119 says, how can a young man, and I, you know, you're not supposed to add stuff to the Bible, but how can a young man, old man, young woman, old woman, I'm going to add that, keep their way pure by keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When the, when the word is here, it, it protects us. Because the wages of sin are death, guys. Has God's word offended you when you read it? Good. <laughs> Dig in. Go deep. Go into it. Has God's word confronted you? Good. Go into it. Dig deep. Has God's word challenged you? Good. Go in. Go deep. Has God's word, you, um, have you not understand, understood God's word? Go in. Go deep. This is the study of the word of God. Allow the sanctifying work of the word to deal with you. It is the way of life in Christ. So the third way is that the word of God is preparation of us. I don't know if that sounds right, but it, it, it works for me. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says this, all scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. That's the life of God. Again, as we talked, and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That word adequate means to live in the now, to be ready, to be prepared. And we used to say this, what is, the, what is your will for my life, God? And I remember when we were with the NCMI guys, a guy said this. It says, that's not the question. The question is, what is your will, God, and how does my life fit into it? That's what the Word of God does for us. The other part of this, when it says equipped or, or correction and training, it means this, that the the Word of God states here that whatever is bent, it can be straightened. So like an arrow. I was watching the uh, Olympics, and they showed it in slow motion. That arrow, as it came off the, it, it moves. So if it was bent, you're not going to hit the mark. And that's what, that's what it's saying, that, the, that the, the Word of God straightens us out. What, and it, whatever is lacking, it will be supplied by the word of God, and that we are ready, what? To pray. This is what we've been taught so long. The more we know the word of God, the more I believe our effective is our prayers. How about to lead and guide others in righteousness, discipling? Guys, if the harvest is coming, 
It won't be me that's going to be discipling everyone. You will be just, are you ready to teach people what it means to live for God? It's here. When we were in a home group, and I've said this story before, Anne and I were counseling uh, a married couple. We weren't married, so what did I do? <laughs> what does it say? What, what does it say? <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Why'd you do this to me, God? And we went to the Word of God. And so well, that's all I did. And, and it's funny because we have a, uh, Nano has a friend that likes to needle me. <clears throat> and he asked me these questions. I said, well, what does the Word of God say? How come your dad always says that? Because <laughs> that's what I'm always going to say to you. Quit messing with me and go read your Bible. <laughs> it sharpens our decision-making. Guys, we're not, again, tossed about. It sharpens our decision-making. sharpens uh, our, just our regular life, how we use our money, how we use our time. I mean, it's, it's here. There's a lot of stuff we don't have to guess. God, our wonderful Father, has spoken to us about these things. How about to understand the fight we're in? Oh, I want to go back about discipling. Um, let me read this. This is on 2, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. We talked about that uh, during, during worship. You know what that word means, approved? We're already proved. We're sons. That's not what that's saying. It's minting a coin. Do you remember back in the day in the movies where they bit a coin and if it bent? This was where it was minted and it's useful to be used of God. That's what he's talking about being approved in front of, you know, in front of God. Handling accurately. Guess what? It's a two-edged sword. You can cut yourself with it if you don't know how to use it. It prepares us to strengthen our faith to persevere through hardship and to defend the faith to the end. We're, we're meant to defend it. It's a lamp under our feet in an ever-increasing dark world. So I'm almost done. My son just got out of boot camp. One of the things they said at the graduation was pretty cool. They are prepared. Brothers and sisters, are we prepared? I believe we are. But we need to get, we need to get, we need to excel still more, as it says in Thessalonians. Excel still more in these things, in the Word of God, and understanding the Word of God. We've been through boot camp. There's some stuff we've gone through as a family that has been heavy duty, but guess what? It's coming. And Jesus said, if you don't build your house on the rock, and when the, when, when the storms come, it'll fall. What was the rock he was talking about? The Word of God. Understanding the Word of God. But if you build it on sand, it'll fall. So, this is not about proving today what the Bible is true. I, we could talk about historical evidence. I read about this archaeologist that went out to prove that the Hittite 
Civilization did not exist. Guess what he found? The Hittite civilization. Oops. Right? He became a Christian. It's not about the prophetic evidence. But guess what? I think there, there's like 1,700. I, I was reading 1,700 and whatever prophecies. 1,189 have come true. Guess what? There's about 500 left. And guess what? They're going to come true. And then the manuscript evidence. You guys, study those things because it's just amazing how God kept his word alive all these years. We're teaching kids in school right now one, one printing, and they call it truth. This has been made through all history. That's not what today's about. It's about faith. It's about faith in God's word and who he is. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> the Bible says, let the word of God richly dwell in you. Richly dwell in you. Make the time, guys. Make the time. 